Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown to Greensburg. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future in Decatur County. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This is the Second Amendment, and this is the Gun Guy. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, 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 bang. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, bang, bang. With Guy Ralford on 93 WIBC. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Gun Guy Show here on 93 WIBC on what has turned out to be a glorious afternoon here in central Indiana. Man, we're, we're a long way from uh, spring being officially here. St- sure starting to feel like it uh, outside right about now. And I guess tomorrow's going to be even warmer. Harley Davidson may have to uh, make another appearance uh, tomorrow. We'll see how that goes. But we hope you're enjoying your weekend so far, and we hope you got to uh, to exercise your Second Amendment rights here a little bit already today, and if not tomorrow. Uh, shout out to the Jason Hammer family. I got to tell you, had had just a really fun couple of hours uh, with the Hammer family. And I'm talking about Jason and his wife, Crystal, his two kids, Christopher and Jacob, uh, just a fabulous family. And you know Jason as the co-host of... Uh, Hammer and Nigel here every afternoon during the week. I actually sat in uh, for Nigel yesterday, and so I co-hosted all of uh, uh, yesterday afternoon. Had a lot of fun doing that. And hey, it's an incredibly successful show. Um, they were uh, voted the number one mid-market afternoon drive time show in the country, which is pretty cool. Uh, and uh, they're consistently the number one rated afternoon show here, right here in Indianapolis uh, among all stations. Now, it's just not talk radio. That's all stations, music, you name it. And uh, so they're knocking it out of the park with the Hammer and Nigel show. But today, um, the Hammers uh, were new gun owners and responsibly uh, wanted to take some training uh, since they're going to have a new firearm in the house. And uh, so we scheduled a couple of hours out at Indy Arms. Shout out as well to the people at Indy Arms. They do such a great job. And I teach a lot of classes there. You hear me talk about it, both shooting classes and my gun law class that I talk about often here on the show. And they just do such a nice job. This is at at roughly 55th and Keystone. It's a block east of Keystone on 55th. But, you know, people hear 55th and Keystone, they're like, oh, you know, how nice a place is this? And I got to tell you, it's beautiful. It's relatively new, six, seven years maybe old. It's a new building, new range, and just really well-constructed, well-built. Two of the things, my pet peeves about indoor ranges are they're not well-lit in general, and they're not well-ventilated, and ventilated is so important. It's so important because, listen, there's stuff coming out of your gun when you're shooting that you really don't want to breathe, you really don't want to have in your body. First and foremost is lead. Yeah, when when that bullet 
gets sent down the barrel and it's spun by the rifling in your barrel, it's essentially being sculpted to some degree by the forces behind it and the shape of the barrel, and it's carving off some degree of lead. And so there's some lead that comes out of the barrel of your gun. And listen, it's in, it's in completely toxicologically insignificant amounts with short-term exposures. But I got to tell you, as somebody who spends a lot of time in a range, I, I care about such issues. And there have been a lot of people who are instructors or range safety officers who have to get pulled off work because they have high levels of lead in their bloodstream. And again, I, that's not to say we shouldn't all go out and enjoy the shooting sports and whatnot. It sure hasn't deterred me in any way, shape, or form. But the, the level of ventilation and the cleanliness and cleaning practices of that range make all the difference in the world. Where it's well ventilated and the range is consistently clean, then you've got no issue at all. And uh, that's exactly what you have at Indy Arms. And that's a big deal. And it means a lot to me. And I also like a well-lit range. And listen, yeah, I've done a lot of training in low light, no light, using flashlights and all of that. That's important. A lot of defensive shootings happen after the sun goes down or dark conditions. But when I just go to the range and I'm saying I'm sighting in a new optic or I'm checking out a new gun or whatever, or I'm teaching a class, I want to be able to see it. I want to be able to see my sights as well as the target. A lot of ranges are really not well lit, particularly at the firing line. And I've noticed this. Some big, relatively nice new ranges around Indy just aren't well lit. And that bothers me. <laughs> and if anybody wants to say, yeah, God, it's because you're getting really old and your eyes are failing and, and you need things lit up more than other people, I, hey, that may contribute to it. I won't argue with you. But uh, that's been my feeling for a long time, well before, well before I got to this ancient age that I'm at now. So it's still an issue. It's been an issue for me for a long time. That's another reason why I really love And hey, uh, full disclosure, I have a commercial relationship with Indy Arms. I teach my classes there. Uh, I've been a, a guest instructor, I think they call me there, for, uh, well, really, since they opened. So there's definitely a relationship, commercial relationship. So uh, take everything uh, that I've just said under, under consideration in that vein and in that context. But it's all still true. And if you go there, you'll experience all the same things I did. But hey, the more important point for purposes of this discussion is I just had a great time with the hammers. And, uh, and uh, again, both kids, uh, teenagers uh, came in and uh, – and and listen, they spent well over an hour in the in the classroom as we went through gun safety and the operation of their particular firearm. They they have a great new great gun, especially for new shooters, a Glock 17. And we got to go through the the functionality, the the, the exactly the um, manipulation of that gun, and how, not only how to shoot it, how to how to use the sights and whatnot, but also how to break it down, how to clean it. Had to operate all the controls on it, and uh, and and everybody did great. And then we went out to shoot, and everybody just shot great. Crystal Hammer, I got to tell you, is a sharpshooter. You know, you may know her if you listen to Hammer and Nigel. They have her on as, as the uh, crazy coupon lady every now and then. She's talking about uh, all the different coupons that are available out there that are great uh, money savers, and that's and I'm sure that's helpful to a lot of people. Uh, people may need to call her the crazy sniper lady after today because she was lights out 
when it came to shooting. She really, really shot well. Everybody did. Everybody. Uh, Jason, Christopher, Jacob, they all shot really well. And we're all, most importantly, very, very safe. After we re- you know, reviewed the rules of gun safety, went out to shoot, they all followed those rules absolutely 100%, and that was great. But then they also shot really well. Um, but Crystal, my goodness, she was lights out. She shot really, really well, and, and she's posted pictures. Uh, Jason put it on both Twitter and uh, on Facebook. He tagged me, so I copied it to my Facebook, at Guy Relford, and uh, I reposted it on Twitter as well. Can't get used to this X thing. I mean, I guess we're supposed to call it X now. Uh, sorry, it was, it was Twitter for too long. Like a lot of us still called Deer Creek, Deer Creek, even though it's been through four or five different name changes since then. Sorry, man, it's locked in. Twitter's locked in just like Deer Creek. Uh, but at any rate, uh, shout out to those guys because safety first, and they did fabulous on that point. But then on the marksmanship score, uh, could not have possibly been better. Here we're going into the break and uh, want to invite your calls on whatever Second Amendment issues you'd like to talk about. Training, uh, gun selection, legal issues, uh, whatever you might have, give us a call. 317-239-9393. That's 317-239-9393. We come back. I'll give you a little bit of a legislative update. Had a good week, man. We're having a good session in the Indiana General Assembly. And, you know, we're getting some stuff done. And it's so satisfying to see, you know, that we have a legislature here in Indiana that is supportive of the pro-Second Amendment bills that get brought before them so often. Not always. You know, we've had struggles. took us 10 years to pass constitutional carry. I always got to remind folks of that, lest we be too satisfied. But, hey, we got it done. And overall, I wouldn't trade Indiana's gun laws with the laws of any other state in the country, literally. People say, oh, what about Texas? Texas has a bunch of restrictive laws on Second Amendment rights. Uh, very restrictive. Some of which, many of which, put your butt in jail. We don't have those laws here in Indiana, and that's a big deal. We have much better laws than Texas. I don't care what anybody says. Now, some others are right there, man. Wyoming, as I'll talk about later in the show, is trying to pass some really, I think, uh, influential, important uh, game-changing bills uh, out there, in addition to constitutional carry that they've already passed, but really I'm very impressive what they're trying to do in Wyoming. Whether they get it done, uh, we'll have to see. We'll talk about all of that and take your calls when we come back. That's 317-239-9393. That's 317-239-9393. We'd love to hear from you. It's Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Second to none on the Second Amendment. This is the Gun Guy with Guy Ralford on 93 WIBC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Ralford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And um, I'm about to uh, an update, and it's, and it's good news so far. 
out of the Indiana General Assembly on uh, House Bills 1084 and 1235. I'll get into the substance of what those are and what they mean to to Hoosiers and Hoosier gun owners in particular. But in the meantime, Anthony Wayne has called in and has a question about one of those bills, I believe. Uh, Anthony Wayne, welcome to the Gun Guy Show. Yes, good evening. Hope you're doing well. You too, sir. Uh, yeah, I've got a uh, congratulations on, on getting you and some others like Kelly, uh, getting those herded uh, through the, the, the House and the Senate. I guess there's just a couple of things left to tie up on them. Uh, with the differences between the two bills. Exactly. I've got, question, I've got a question on House Bill 1235 okay. and the zoning amendment that was made to it. Uh, what's to stop somebody like Paul up in uh, in Gary and Lake County from weaponizing the, uh, the zoning provision uh, amendment to basically make it impossible to put up a gun store? You know, that's something we've got to look at, and that's one of the reasons... Um, why and and that's just been sent over to uh, back over to the House after it passed on the floor of the Senate and the House now and I'm jumping ahead in the discussion here a little bit Anthony but you've asked a great question and I want to answer it um, that uh, the fact that that amendment was made uh, makes it uh, that now a requirement that the House uh, can either they can dissent to that amendment, at which point it goes to a conference committee, and that has to get worked out in the conference committee, and then it goes back to be uh, voted on in its final version as it comes out of the conference committee. And I would expect, for exactly the reasons you're talking about, for the bill to uh, to uh, get a consent in the House, which will require a conference committee, and we'll see what goes on. Now, the, the zoning amendment you're talking about, I mean, it's interesting because there's um, there's an exception in the Indiana Firearms Preemption Act that prevents local governments from regulating firearms. Uh, there's an exception that says they can um, they can enforce their own zoning laws, and that would seem to apply to this amendment. However, that exception also says that the zoning law can't be specifically targeted. Um, in such a way as to affect Second Amendment rights. And so I'm going to have to go through and do a deep drill on exactly how the Preemption Act and this amendment all fit together. It's always kind of a jigsaw puzzle when you put this stuff together. But but that's something we're going to have to look at. And to your point, um, we'll have to see whether that's something that uh, guts the bill to some degree. Uh, or uh, whether it still really works. Um, Let's go back to the phone lines, and I think Rick has a completely different kind of question. But, Rick, welcome to the Gun Guy Show. Hey, Guy. How you doing, bud? Yeah, good, man. I'm glad glad you called. So I I heard you talk about VA. Yeah, oh, yeah. And VA, you know, was one of my bouncers at the sports bar and grill. How did you work for Ricky Eicholtz back in the day? I'm sorry. I, I no, no. This is Ricky. Oh no! Hold on. Yeah. This is Ricky, yeah. my buddy. Yeah, brother. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Hold on. We have an I absolute. Remember, I remember you when you were a defensive tackle, not a tight end. That's okay. <laughs> well, I was a much better tackle and defensive end than I ever was oh, a tight I end. Catch, I saw you catch a few balls. Yeah, maybe a couple. But hey, okay. Well, hold on. We have an Indianapolis icon on the phone right now. I had no idea, Ricky, you were going to call. 
And Ricky, listen, I haven't even seen you in a while, but I still consider you one of my oldest and dearest friends, as well as teammate uh, and opponent before that when you were at uh, Chittard and I was at Carmel. But, Carmel Chittard was always a tough one. Oh, man, I, one of the hardest-hitting games I ever participated in at any level, college included. But let me let me make sure my listeners understand who they're listening to here right now, who they're hearing. Ricky Eicholtz, uh Started the the, uh, the Iken Jonesies, but I okay. I have to go back to a conversation. And Ricky, it's funny. I I, I haven't told I heard, you this story. I heard you say. I heard you say this story. Have you really? Okay, but I, I bet most people I'm sure haven't. So Ricky and I played college football together at DePaul. In fact, we were the starting defensive tackles for I don't know two or three years yeah. uh, together. And. Uh, and Ricky started on one side at tackle. I started on the other. And we knew each other before that from high school because we played against each other because I played at Carmel, he played at Chittard, and we played each other every year. But uh, we went to uh, went to, to college together, college teammates together, had some great time. I was there when you met Jonesy. I, you know, people should know as your wife. I was at the fraternity party when you guys met. And yep. uh, and so when you got married and everything and started Ike and Jonesy, but, but the story is... And I, I like telling this for some reason, even though it makes me sound colossally stupid. And that is that I'm sitting in old Churchill's, and Churchill's used to be, Churchill's used to be a bar at uh, Market and uh, Penn, and uh, great Irish bars owned by Rick Risingmore, who had several other kind of English themed bars, um, uh, like Union Jack and some others. And and that's One the kind of, my of heroes. Yeah, exactly right. But I was I was in Churchill's, which kind of was a hangout for me right after law school, and this is about eighty three. Well, it was eighty three, and and Ricky came in, and I'm all excited to see him because he's my buddy and he's my teammate. And he walks in and he goes, he goes, man, I got I got a lot going on because Ricky had just built up a very from scratch, built up a very successful bar, I believe the Fifty Second Street Pub at Fifty Second and Allisonville. And 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 really pioneered the concept of a sports bar. People think of sports bars as being so incredibly common now. They were not common in 1980 when when Ricky started down yeah. this road. Really was. And you popularized. People would come. We didn't have the Colts yet, obviously. People would come in there. You advertise Pacer games, and you'd have specials and IU games and Purdue games, and made it a sports bar when nobody really had ever heard of a sports bar before. And, and you know, it's one of those things that's around now, so people think it always existed. But you build up 52nd Street, made it very popular, increased the value incredibly, decided to sell it, and then you you walked into Churchill's that day, and you t- and you and you told me you said, "Hey, guy, man, I'm excited. Uh, I'm opening up a couple of bars in downtown Indy, and one's going to be called Sports, which is going to be a, a really big sports bar at the corner of Meridian and Jackson Street, and another one, Ike and Jonesy's, which is going to have kind of a 50s, 60s theme, and a lot of music, and uh, and uh, and it's going to be at uh, there on Jackson Street, more over toward Union Station. And Ricky, I've been going on here for too long, but do you remember what my response to you was in my prediction on how successful you were going to be on those bars? You're out of your mind, is what you said. <laughs> <laughs> and, and in particular, in particular, I said, I said, Ricky, there's nothing south of Washington Street uh, but warehouses, man. And and I literally said this. I said, no one in this town's ever going to go south of Washington Street to party. 
<laughs> and, and, and you made it happen. I mean, you, you really pioneered all this. But where does everybody go now in Indianapolis to go have a cocktail, to go listen to music, to go dance, whatever they're going to do? They all go south of Washington Street, and you started that whole thing. But you remember you remember that conversation, really? Oh, God, yes. And it was a great time. And I sold 52nd Street because my father died of cancer. At I remember. 50. And, uh, you know, that was one of his joints, too. We used to do all the Butler stuff over there because he played at Butler. Yeah. And, and was uh, uh, got drafted to Green Bay Packers and all sorts of stuff. But yeah. when my dad died... I was done at that spot, and I sold it to Greg Hahn and uh, his his partnership. And uh, you remember Greg Hahn, the oh, yeah. attorney? Yes, right? Oh yeah. And uh, I, I was I was probably not going to do anything. I was going to go back and start selling real estate again. And then Bob Borns, who was going to be the creator of uh, revamping Union Station. And I, you know, and uh, I said, you know, you know, I, I, I'm not going to wait around. You know, if it's going to be 1986, I'm, I'm not into it. Uh, and uh, he said, well, I said, but there is a building on the corner I like that uh, <laughs> used to be a, a, a female bar called the 110. Huh. That's where that's where Hiken Jonesy's was. It was all girls, only ladies. And, uh, and, and there, and, and, uh, he said, and so he bought the building and he put me in it and, uh, I went across the street and, uh, uh, threw down the proposal and, uh, and within, uh, five months I had, uh, both bars up and going, man. And both bars, I remember like it was yesterday coming around the corner and seeing the line out the door to get in both bars. And I yeah. and I always laughed to myself and said I'm the genius who said that uh, nobody was ever going to go south of Washington <laughs> Street to get a beer and uh, man did you ever prove that wrong and then you even said you go I've got an inside scoop that Union Station is going to be renovated and a bunch of businesses are going to open in there and we might even get an NFL team and again the same way I'm like slapping the bar going oh bro you 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 are so misguided NFL team in Indianapolis oh come on you know Cincinnati and Chicago will never let that happen and man uh, all that took off and man after a Colts game uh, you can't get in Ike and Josie's it's fun no, it's awesome it was, it was it was packed just always I had a line and uh, just kept rolling and uh, and it was always it was always just great people it, you yeah know? that's exactly right yeah, exactly. And sports bar, sports bar used to get a little bit out of hand, and if you're talking about the VA, I know. Yes, yes. Yeah, you know, he was one of my bouncers. Oh yeah. And and uh, we would, of course, all my bouncers, they carried weapons, uh -huh. and uh, we did not allow them to have the weapons and the sidearms on while they were being my bouncers, and so we would take all of their guns. They had to check their guns in the safe. Now, the safe wasn't that damn big because we get the money out of there every night. But we had to get the, the petty cash boxes out because all of my bouncers were carrying handguns. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm absolutely sure that's true of VA. And have you kept in, in touch with it? By the way, when he was your bouncer, I, that's when I got to know him. When he was your oh. principal bouncer uh, there at sports, and we became good buddies. And, you know, we've always ridden together and... 
and uh, and became lifelong friends uh, all the way back when he was working for you. But we used to call him three hundred pounds of rage because he, he, he well, and, uh, you know he, he when we we uh, now this is a little bit uh, not necessarily how I want to be reflected, but VA can throw him all the way into the center of a Mineral Street. Oh yeah, in, in fact, one Colts player that shall remain nameless, I believe, put through your front window, didn't he? Yeah, he went through the front window and VA chased him all the way down the street and brought him back. <laughs> and out of respect for that particular Colts player, and I know exactly who it is. I won't mention him on the air, but that, but you know, and this guy was playing at the time. I mean, this is not an old retired yeah, was, guy. This is a guy who was. Yeah, he was a- yeah, he's a linebacker, a linebacker, and a and an excellent football player in the NFL. And VA picked him up, and I, I'm proud to say I was there to witness it, and put him through the front window. And not many people yeah. are going to do that. But now VA is running a fabulous gun store. Have you been up to Pinnacle Firearms in Carmel? No, I I haven't, and I you know I have no need to carry a weapon now because I'm you know old and stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I I understand. Well, Ricky, listen, I'm well past the bottom of the hour. And listen, we, you and I playing nostalgia um, may or may not have been of interest to our listeners. I don't know. But it's just such a great story about how you really developed the nightlife scene south of Washington Street. You were the pioneer, the pioneer, not one of. Well, and we, you made it happen. That's a big deal. I, I'm really proud of you for that. Not just because you're my long, long, long time friend, but because you made it happen. And that's a big deal. Well, and then also, for us, it was there for quite some time, and now that there's been trouble downtown, but we kept the trouble off of the streets. Yes. And, you know, one bar worked with the other bar. The bouncers had a call. Boom, get the guys from sports over here. That that, that was just the way it was. And, uh, you know, I, it, it angers me that uh, it got out of control for about five, six years now. And, but it's coming back around. Well, you know, I hope so. You know, this administration and the mayor's office isn't doing us any favors on that point. But, man, I hope so. And you know what? Yeah, it, it, it did well. The, the whole street and, and the area did well during All-Star basketball. Uh, and, you know, the, those the, – and the people that visit our city and the, the Convention and Visitors Bureau do an incredible job of, of bringing customers to those different bars that are there. Yeah. I got you. And restaurants. And yeah. good restaurants. Well, hey, Ricky Eichholz, man, I love you a lot. You're a dear friend of mine. I got We got to get together and uh, have a beverage because uh, I'd love to catch up with you. And see, I haven't seen you in a long damn time. And I'd love to see you. and Because you, you and I go back all the way to high school, and that's a big deal. Well, you know what? I always knew that uh, that you were going to be something, and uh, I, I enjoyed uh, listening to uh, you on the radio with with uh, uh, Hammer and Nigel, and uh, in the morning with uh, you know with Tony, and 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 uh, it, it's it's. It's it's good to hear you on the radio. Well, I appreciate that, brother. And listen, I got to get Ricky. I'll follow up with you, man, and uh, we'll get together soon. Right now, we're way past the bottom of the hour, but we're taking a break. This is Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on ninety three WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob two hundred milligrams at kisqali dot com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. show about gun rights, gun safety, and responsible gun ownership. This is The Gun Guy with Guy Relford on 93 WIPC. 
And welcome back. I'll tell you what, I was almost late getting into this segment because I was telling producer Jack about it. I'm, I'm more of a VA and Eric Eichel stories. And there's some there's some good stories. And I got to tell you, did, did you hear what was said? And this is more germane to the things we talk about here on the Gun Guy Show. And did you hear how he said the area south of, of, of Washington Street, particularly the areas right there around his bars, um, those areas were completely safe, including out on the street around those bars, because the businesses kept them safe. And they had the 100% complete cooperation of IMPD. Then it was just IPD. It was before Metropolitan was formed. And um, and they had the complete support. Um, and, and, and bad guys were treated like bad guys. How refreshing is that? And you cause trouble, you deserve to have repercussions. And and businesses were empowered to do that. And, you know, we're in this, this new age where, you know, it takes a hand, uh, an act of Congress to be able to put your hands on somebody who's misbehaving, who's potentially damaging your business, who's a danger to others in the area. And it didn't used to be like that. And listen, I'm not advocating for unrestricted violence. But I am advocating for the ability to protect your business, protect innocent people trying to have a good time, and to deal with troublemakers as troublemakers. And I hate to sound like an old guy lamenting the good old days, because I'm sure that's exactly how I sound. And I only sound that way because that's exactly what I am. I'm an old guy lamenting the good old days because it was completely true. Somebody acted up. You paid the consequences. They paid the consequences. That's just the way it was. And you know what? You figure out pretty soon to stop acting up. And everybody's better off for it. But we're just not of that age, you know, where we're, we coddle bad guys and we punish people trying to protect their, their businesses, even their own safety. And we've got it backwards, man. And we've had it backwards for a long time. And that's where, uh, you know, frankly, the origin of a lot of where I come from. A lot of why I've been into firearms for so long, why I became an instructor, why I love teaching people, like the Hammers today, uh, and I don't know, thousands and thousands of others over the last 30 years or so that I've taught. It's because I like the fact that a private citizen has the capacity, has the option, have the, has the ability, and has the legal justification for defending themselves, for defending their family. And, you know, and, and, and society uh, resists that to a very large degree. You know, there's an awful lot of people out there right now that say yeah, only military and law enforcement should carry guns. Nobody should ever put their hands on anybody else uh, under any circumstances. That should be left to the, the authorities. And, and listen, again, I'm not advocating violence. That's not my point. I'm not a violent guy. I'll go, and I, and I have gone way out of my way to avoid putting my hands on somebody. God forbid, pull on my gun, which I've never had to do. I've come close, thought about it. And frankly, each time I said a little prayer, please, God, don't make me shoot this guy. One time, just a year or so ago, right here on The Circle, I talked about quite a bit both on this show and on the Hammer and Nigel show because I was coming up here to do radio when it happened. But I'm not bloodthirsty. I'm not looking to hurt anybody, and I'm sure as hell not looking to shoot anybody. 
But I like having the option. And I like bad guys being afraid of their potential victims. You know, Colonel Jeff Cooper, who founded Gunsight, one of my favorite places to train, my very favorite place to train in the whole universe, out in Paulden, Arizona, run by friend of the show, frequent guest, uh, CEO Ken Campbell, who used to be the Boone County Sheriff, who's my sheriff. I live in Boone County. And he's a great guy. Now he's running the foremost firearms training facility in the world, in my mind, in Paulden, Arizona, which is Frontside. But the guy who founded that out there, Colonel Jeff Cooper, one great quote from him, and I've created memes on this, and I've seen others other people have done, they're very powerful. And it said, and I may be paraphrasing if I don't get this exactly right, but it's going to be damn close. It says, the criminal does not fear the police. He does not feel the judge or the jury or even the prison. Therefore, what the criminal must be trained to fear is his victim. And that is just poetically true. It is fundamentally true. You know, how many bad guys out on the street have already been to prison? They've been in and out. They get spit right back out in the system. That doesn't scare them. So they must be trained. They must be taught to fear their victim. That's where we start putting a dent in some of the runaway crime we have in this country. Yeah, and that was a topic I didn't intend to go into, but it certainly uh, is germane and a follow-up to the great conversation uh, that I had with Ricky Eicholtz, who's just a dear, dear friend, long-term, long-time. We're talking about 50-year friend, and uh, that's a big deal. In the meantime, we're a little past the three-quarter hour, taking a break. We'll be back for a bit of a short segment to wrap up our number one of the Gun Guy Show. Give us a call. Want to Get your discussion, get your questions, your comments, 317-239-9393. That's 317-239-9393. This is Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Your rights, your responsibilities, your guns. This is The Gun Guy with Guy Relford on 93 WIPC. And welcome back for what will be a very short segment here at the top of the hour. But hey, the the blurb you just heard, the promo you heard for the uh, podcast uh, put on, uh, partnered uh, in part by Matt Bear, the traffic guy here on 93 WIBC. And I got to tell you, it's, it's interesting. Matt's one of the most popular people here on the air. And uh, I think at most TV or radio stations, the traffic person, um, that's that's probably pretty rare that they're as popular as they are. But, man, when we've had uh, a night with WIBC and the public has come in and uh, we get to meet all of them, uh, you talk about a roar from the crowd when Matt Bear walks out on the stage. It's, it's huge. And people just love Matt. And that's because he's a lovable guy. But he has started this podcast, Supporting Sobriety. And it's really focused on um, uh, family members and supporters of people who are going through struggles with sobriety and, and whether they've recovered or are recovering, um, then uh, that he, if, if, through their own experiences and their own insights, are able to, to offer uh, so much wisdom and guidance and support. And it's just a big, big deal. And Matt really ought to be commended for that. And it's very impactful. I've recommended it to some people I know um, that are uh, recovering 
uh, addicts, whether it's alcohol or drugs, and they've all absolutely raved about it, and that's because uh, he deserves that. So check that out. If that applies in any way to you or a family member or a loved one, uh, you'll be glad you did. Meantime, we're at the top of the first hour. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This is the Second Amendment, and this is the Gun Guy. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, 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 bang. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, bang, bang. With Guy Relford on 93 WIPC. And welcome back for hour number two of the Gun Guy Show. We're thrilled you're with us. Uh, and I got to tell you, I, if you just tuned in, you're not going to know what I'm talking about. But I'm still sitting here with a big goofy grin on my face because Ricky Eichholz called. And there's just nothing better than hearing from a, an old and dear friend that you love a lot. Uh, that you haven't heard from in a long time and being able to reminisce a little bit. And uh, so thanks for bearing with us as uh, we went down memory lane a little bit. But again, a powerful point about a time when the businesses uh, in downtown Indianapolis not only had the willingness to step up and keep their patrons safe and, and, and keep the, even the area around their businesses safe downtown, but also um, were allowed the discretion to do so uh, by authorities. Um, Indianapolis was a better place, man. It was safer, it was cleaner, uh, and uh, and it was it was hopping, and it was packed downtown. And and Ricky said, "Hey, uh, it seems to be coming back to some degree." Uh, that we had a great weekend over All Star Weekend, and and that's good. I, I love hearing it. And, and listen, it's no secret that I'm uh, I'm absolutely no fan of the Hogsett administration, and I would love to see him run out. And I don't know why his record on crime. Uh, and uh, and as well as Ryan Mears record in the prosecutor's office, I don't know why they keep getting reelected. Well, I do know why. I'm just disappointed that they keep getting reelected by Democrat voters who just don't seem to care about results. But I'm not going to root against Indianapolis. I'm not going to hope Indianapolis fails or that it's dangerous or that downtown fails or the businesses downtown fail or that people are, are hurt or killed or shot. Uh, downtown. I'm not going to root for any of that. Is uh, my town again? I grew up in Carmel. I live in Zionsville. Offices in Carmel, but I'm an indie guy, man. I've been coming down here and working down here. Work for a law firm down here for a long time. Uh, I'm an indie guy, and I I'm, I'm I consider Indy, Indianapolis my town as much as any town um, where I've spent time, and so I, I want the city to thrive. And right now, it needs to thrive in spite of the Hogsett administration. Uh, but I hope it thrives nonetheless. Let's move on. And uh, I mentioned at the top of the show that I want to talk about these two bills, House Bill 1235 and House Bill 1084, that uh, are both in a pretty good place right now. Now, we've had some amendments to both of them that I'm still taking a hard look at um, and didn't like. One amendment that happened in the Senate in committee on 1084. But first of all, what are these bills? What are we talking about? Well, uh, House Bill 1084, it's entitled Privacy of Firearms Transactions. But what this deals with is the use of credit card codes, a newly created code 
created by the International Organization of Standardization, which is just what it sounds like. It's an international organization, but it it, it creates these credit card codes to track purchases. So, for instance, if you if you get a statement from your bank, and I can pull this up, uh, and and my the bank my wife uses for her accounts is actually more detailed and gives you more data on these things than than where I bank, but you can pull up, for instance, the percentage of your expenditures using your debit or credit card through that bank, percentage that were at retail, the percentage that were at restaurants, uh, percentage that went, you know, groceries. And and that gives you an idea of how you're spending your money, and that can be useful. But this International Organization for Standardization created a, a code for purchases at gun stores specifically where right now if you use a credit or debit card at a gun store um, it's coded as general retail or sporting goods and and that's fine and you know you get your credit card statement back you look this up and you're figuring out where you spent your money and it says you spent five hundred dollars in sporting goods and you're going to know where that was and it works just fine but at the urging of, this is an important part, at the urging of gun control proponents, people that would rescind, revoke, repeal the Second Amendment tomorrow if they had the option, and and in anti-Second Amendment groups like Everytown, the Bloomberg groups, they went to this organization and said, you need to create this separate code. And, th- and the ostensible reason was, to be able to identify suspicious purchases so that we can identify the next mass shooting or terrorist. And you think about that, it's fascinating because this code doesn't tell anybody what was bought. It says how much money you spent, and you spent it at a gun store. And I can go in... And I can I can spend three thousand dollars on five six hundred dollar AR-15s that I want to use in a terroristic act. I'm going to hand these out to my fellow fellow terrorists, and we're going to go have us a mass shooting. Or I can go in and spend three thousand dollars and buy a three thousand dollar gun safe because I'm a safe and responsible gun owner who wants to have a nice fireproof safe to protect my guns. And protect them from being stolen so they don't end up in the hands of bad guys, including terrorists or mass shooters. So how does simply identifying the fact that Guy Relford spent $3,000 at a gun store provide any information that's useful in any damn way to prevent mass shootings or terroristic activities? It doesn't. It can't. It's not calculated to yield any such result. It makes no sense. So if that's complete bull, one of my greatest challenges is not cussing on the radio. Producer Jack has a dump button, so I, he hasn't had to use it yet. In fact, I've only had a producer have to use the dump button on me once, and that was I was doing Hammer and Nigel. And of course, I will not tell you what I said. I thought it was okay. I thought it was passable, but uh, the uh, majority disagreed, and so they cut out a word that I used on Hammer and Nigel. But anyway, it's hard not to 
call things what they are. Here I'll just say BS. It's complete BS, the ostensible reason why they wanted this code. So why do they want it? Because there's been a pattern of discrimination against the gun industry, gun-related industries, by banks and credit card companies and credit card processors and insurance companies, financial institutions generally. There's been a pattern of discrimination, really, that's become rampant since 2013. What happened in 2013 is the Obama administration announced what they called Operation Choke Point. And Operation Choke Point was the intentional use of the financial industry. Again, we're talking about insurance companies, banks, credit unions, credit card processors, credit card companies. Using those companies, the financial institution, to put out of business businesses the Obama administration didn't like. So they couldn't arrest anybody, prosecute anybody for a crime. They couldn't use existing laws to go put businesses out of business that were operating illegally if they simply had some moral or policy objection to a particular business, they went to insurance companies and banks and whatnot and said, these are the people you shouldn't be doing businesses to business with. And, you know, if you can't, if they can't do their banking, they can't have insurance, they can't cr- process credit cards, they're not going to stay in business. And it was broader than just firearms. It, it was things like payday loans and some other businesses that Obama administration didn't like, but they lumped in the firearm industry. And suddenly, gun stores, banks, instructors, I've had it happen to me. I had a credit card processor, Square, would not process credit card payments to my company, Tactical Firearms Training, where I teach safe and responsible and legal gun ownership and use. And they looked at my business and said, no, we don't want to have anything to do with you. And I, I pushed it. I called. I got bounced around forever. And eventually someone said, yes, I'm sorry. We associate businesses like yours with mass gun violence, with gun violence generally. And, I, and my jaw dropped open. I teach law-abiding citizens how to defend themselves from criminals. I teach people how to safely and responsibly use their guns. I wrote a book on gun safety that I sell through that same business to keep people safe. I teach teach classes on Indiana laws so people don't break the law. They stay on the right side of the law because people that come take that class want to stay on the right side of the law. Why? Because they're law-abiding citizens. And you don't want to do business with me? It was a way to put me out of business. Because you know what? You have any kind of retail or service business. Don't create, don't take credit or debit cards. See how long you stay in business. Could you go cash only? Sure. See how long that works out for you. Open a restaurant. Take cash only. Somebody's going to say, working man's friend. I've never been there. I keep telling us, I keep being told it's the best smash burger in Indy. And my understanding is I've never been there that they take cash only. So, hey, maybe you can do it. They've been around for a long time. But most retail businesses, not a chance in hell. And they knew that. That's why they prompted this discrimination. And that's why this code was created. House Bill 1084 would prevent, prohibit the use of those credit card codes in Indianapolis. That's why we call it privacy of firearms transactions. It would prohibit the use of these codes, and it would prohibit any denial of financial services based on those codes, 
Because I think that's why they are. A bank or credit card company sees a credit card process, a credit card payment being processed, and it says, Guy Relford spending $500 at Indy Arms. Denied. Just deny it. There you go. They've taken the first step toward trying to put that business out of business and punishing me simply because I'm trying to exercise my Second Amendment rights. So where is House Bill 1084? Um, Why do I uh, feel optimistic about the future of that bill? That's what we'll talk about when we come back. I also want to take your calls, 317-239-9393. It's 317-239-9393. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Now, you've got a gun guy. Guy Relford on 93 WIPC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And I'll tell you, following that conversation on uh, House Bill 1084, uh, Rick has called in with a question. Rick, uh, what do you got for us? Guy, I was wondering about the the square uh, issue you have with them. Do you have any legal recourse against them, or or are they allowed to uh, uh, just uh, discriminate against uh, those they disagree with politically? Well, it's a great question, Rick, and thanks for calling. And and really, no. I mean, the the general rule is that a business can choose with whom it does business. And if a, a business like Square as a credit card processor decides it doesn't want to do business with anybody associated with firearms, they really have the prerogative to do that. And that's really why we need bills like House Bill 1084. And we've had broader bills than 1084, that we couldn't get out of the uh, financial institu- excuse me yeah, financial institutions committee in the Senate because uh, the banking industry has suddenly I have hiccups all of a sudden on live radio always a great time but the banking industry has uh, some 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 pretty effective lobbyists some pretty influential people and. They've always come in and successfully killed the broader anti-discrimination bill that would have prevented what Square did against me, for instance. But that's why we're taking a little bit of baby steps. And sometimes when you see these battles, uh, we kind of need to take a step back and decide what we can accomplish uh, and then expand it from there. And that's what we're doing. And so we're, we're not ceasing the fight, assuming we get 1084 passed. Uh, I've been working with Chris Lee, and you've heard Chris here on the show before. Chris is uh, the uh, the regional uh, representative for the National Shooting Sports Foundation. And even though NRA gets called the uh, industry group for the gun industry, that's not who NRA is. NRA is a grassroots organization that represents uh, gun owners. Uh, NSSF is the trade association for the gun industry, and that includes uh, uh, ranges and firearm stores and firearms manufacturers, and um, and I've been working with him for a number of years. He's a good guy, and he's an Indiana guy, 
And uh, he lives here, in fact, in uh, central Indiana, uh, up close to where I do in Zionsville. And and Chris uh, and I have been working together. And 1084, if we get this passed, and, and it's looking good, which I'll go into here in a minute, um, that's just step one. And we want to continue to expand that and pass a law that would allow me to answer your question, Rick, by saying, no, it's illegal because it violates a new law we have in Indiana. <laughs> but uh, until we get that passed on a broader scale than 1084, then uh, the I, unfortunately, the answer is no, they can, they can choose to not do business with me. And listen, a uh, little philosophical point, and that is, I've always been a, a small government guy. And... I've always thought less government control over private businesses is better. And it would be easy to call me a hypocrite and and may to some degree be true to call me a hypocrite because I'm advocating for a bill like 1084 uh, and I've advocated for these broader anti-discrimination bills against uh, banking institutions uh, that is, the bill would prevent those the financial institutions from discriminating against the firearms industry. And somebody could say, hold on, guy, you're for less government regulation of private businesses, and here you want a new law that restricts a private business and their ability to do business with whom they choose. And and that makes you a complete hypocrite. And 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 there is an inconsistency there, and I'd be a liar if I denied it, but here's how... I get past that. And I address this when I testified for 1084, for instance, in both the House and the Senate. I, uh, I, I made this point without even being asked about it and said, listen, I'm a small government guy, but here's my point. That is, the, the, the financial industry has been used, I think, as a tool of the government, first under Obama after he came out with Operation Choke Point. In in 2013, and and lately under the Biden administration, it's continuing those same policies. And I think the government is partnering with the financial industry to discriminate against lawful businesses, and particularly those who are simply involved in helping folks, facilitating folks, training folks, equipping folks to exercise a constitutionally protected right. And when private business decides to partnership with government, to attack a constitutionally protected activity and therefore a constitutionally protected right, then I think I'm I'm within uh, my philosophical approach to these issues to say that at that point needs to be halted. And yes, we need restriction on that because it's the federal government trying to rip your rights away from you by using the financial industry as a tool to do so. And in that point, we have an opportunity to have state government step in and said, no, federal government, we're simply not going to allow that to happen. And listen, if you don't buy that and say, nope, you're still a damn uh, hypocrite for saying small government and wanting restrictions on on financial industry, I won't disagree with you, uh, except to explain it as I just did, which is I think 
This is the financial industry operating in partnership with the federal government, and we need the Indiana legislature to step up and prevent that from happening. That's how I get past that. I'll tell you, we're at the bottom of the hour. Hey, my buddy Kelly has called in, so we'll go back to the phone lines when we come back from this break. We're at the bottom of the hour. Join the discussion. Other than Kelly, man, phone lines are open, 317-239-9393. That's 317-239-9393. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. He's a Second Amendment attorney. He's an NRA certified firearms instructor. He's the gun guy. Guy Relford on 93 WIPC. And welcome back to the Gun Guy Show here on 93 WIPC. I'm Guy Relford. Glad you're with us for the last half hour here of tonight's Gun Guy Show. In the meantime, Kelly has called in. This is Kelly Myers, who is co-director, co-legislative director of the Indiana State Rifle and Pistol Association. And listen, Kelly's been coming to the State House um, with me, uh, or I've been seeing him there um, for years, uh, even before he got the title that he currently has with ISRPA. Uh, and Kelly's been uh, tremendously helpful in getting his things done in the legislature. And I'm also pleased to call him my friend. But hey, Kelly, uh, thanks for calling in, buddy. Hey, guy, how you doing? Doing well, but I hope you are too. Oh yeah, I've uh, well, I've got faith that our elected officials in conference committee will get something worked out for House Bill 1084. Because I tell you, the more the more you look into that, the scarier it gets. And uh, I know uh, well we both testified in support of that bill. And the more you, the more you look into it, it's this isn't something that might happen. This has been happening for years. Oh yeah, and have to give a shout out to your first caller today, Anthony Wayne. Well, he, he goes by a, a different name on Indiana gun owners and he provided me a good bit of the uh, good bit of the information I used in my testimony, particularly uh, from Jim Jordan's committee and the uh, the key bank document which was in in the, the press release that didn't really make didn't really make the news, but it really should have when you look at what what they're looking for and it's they're not looking for the next mass shooter they're looking for gun owners oh uh, they're looking for me and you and oh, yeah. and and they're looking to put gun related businesses out of business and they're looking to choke off the supply of guns in this country i, I don't know if, i mean you know it's funny you say something like that and there are going to be people out there roll their eyes and say oh well, that's paranoid that'll never happen whether it happens is up to us but don't think there aren't people that aren't trying to make it happen yeah, and when when you see some of the, uh, which I went through them in my testimony, and you know there wasn't enough time to go through all of them, but when you see, uh, oh, Smoky Mountain Knife Works was one of them. Uh, Dylan yes. Precision, who makes reloading equipment. When when you see see the, these uh, Sog International, who makes knives and multi tools, AR15.com, which is a a moderated discussion forum. Yeah. When you see that, it's like no, they're not. They're not looking for mass shooters here. No, they're not. And and listen, let's talk about the amendment that um, you and I watched uh, get passed in the uh, financial institutions committee in the Senate that a lot of us are concerned about, and the the House dissented to this amendment. And that's why now it has to go to conference, go to conference committee, and that's always scary because they can do about anything they want to in conference committee to change the bill. 
But the reason uh, that none of us like this amendment who are pushing for this bill is, uh, at least I should say most of us don't, as far as I can tell, is that the enforcement mechanism in the bill as filed originally was uh, the attorney general's office, and it had very stiff penalties. The attorney general's office could come in and investigate if people had used these codes illegally, or they'd use the codes to deny financial transactions. And and it was a, a fine up to $10,000 per occurrence if they proved uh, that financial institutions were using these codes and or using them to deny disc- uh, and discriminate. Um, against gun owners based on the denial of uh, of transactions. And the banking lobby, I think, in the Senate, as they've, they've, they've been very powerful in the Senate in the past, that's the reason we haven't get, gotten discrimination bills out of the same committee, different chair, I should say. But in the past, in past years, um, the financial industry and the banking lobby was able were able to go to committee members, and and including the chairman, as we both saw, and say, hey, we don't like the attorney general being able to be able to come after us for all this money. We're already regulated by state regulators that has, have as a job to regulate banks. It's already their job. They know us better. Let's change the bill to take this enforcement mechanism through the attorney general's office out and substitute it with the same regulators that already regulate the banking industry can enforce this law. And the chairman liked that. He proposed the amendment. The committee adopted it. And I think this was the banking lobby successfully gutting uh, what I think is an important provision, which is the real teeth of the enforcement provision. But But your thoughts on that, Kelly? Yeah, that was, I, I know when we were uh, there for the committee hearing, uh, I believe her name's Corrine Young. She's from the attorney general's office. Yeah, she she spoke uh, very strongly that, yeah, you, the attorney general with, with the hammer they bring needs to be involved with this. And That's uh, right. You, you, you need to bring somebody with, with a big hammer for things like this. And, yeah, they say they're regulated. Well, this is going on now. <laughs> yeah. That's right. And, and you know, I worry sometimes when regulators are seemingly, and listen, I'm not in that industry, and this could be completely unfair, so feel free, anybody listening, to discount this completely. But it seems to me, my impression is, as someone outside looking in, that these regulators can be a bit chummy with the industry that they're regulating. And that concerns me, um, where I'll guarantee you, Todd Rokita – you don't want to pass laws based on current incumbents, and and you know incumbents can change. Uh, but for instance, I'll just use by way of example, Todd Rokita would not be a bit shy about going after banks or credit card companies for violating this bill if it were to pass, and if the attorney general uh, retained the enforcement authority under this bill, and uh, and that's why I think it would have a lot more compliance. And we'd see less banks or credit card companies willing to flirt with um, being found in violation of this if if they were looking at a ten thousand dollar fine per occurrence, in uh, and the attorney general is the one that could come after him. I feel strongly about that. But again, your thoughts, Kelly? Um, when, when you said that, I'm sitting here thinking uh, Enron. Of course, getting to be a long time ago, we remember what happened at Enron. Uh, Arthur Anderson was their auditor. And they were very familiar with Enron. 
and they looked the other way. So when I, when you talk about people, oh, we, we know them, we work with them all the time, that was the, the first thing that came into my head. It's like, oh, yeah. It's a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. you want, you want we, to, we know uh, them because we're buying them dinner and we're inviting them to, you know, to fancy events. And, and I don't know that any of that happens. And, and, and I'm not accusing anyone of any kind of misconduct because I don't know. I have no basis to do that. It's just a suspicion that I have that makes me like the original version of the bill a lot better. But I'll guarantee you that's why the House dissented um, against the the Senate amendment, that's why it has to go to conference committee now. So now it's up to the people, the four people that sit in that conference committee uh, to decide uh, what ultimately we want to do with that bill. And I guarantee you, the banking lobby is going to be working hard with those four people uh, to try to get them to retain that amendment. That, that's where we, I hope they stand, stand strong. But hey, Kelly, yeah, no. as I'll go ahead, buddy. You have another thought? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Char- Charlie Hilton in there, the president of the State Rifle and Pistol Association. I know he was out in front on this yeah. and saying, "I don't like this at all. We need somebody with a big stick who can come in here." And yeah, that was before we'd heard anything about it. He he was out in front on that and said, you know, he didn't like it at all. Yeah, and he's as you mentioned, the president of the Indian State Rifle and Pistol Association that you're co-legislative director of. And 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 listen, Charlie's been the victim of financial discrimination. He had a bank refuse to do business with him, send him uh, uh, checks to say, you know, here's the balance in your accounts. We don't want to do business with you anymore. And uh, I think he had insurance canceled as well. And uh, and so he's been a victim of all this, so he's going to be overly sensitive. And and by the way, I'm looking at, at the note that uh, producer Jack put in when you called. Yeah, you mentioned Je- Jefferson Shreve, too. We don't have much time for the conversation right now. I can revisit it here after this break. But uh, you wanted to mention Jefferson Shreve uh, being back running for political I mean, office again. An awful lot of his commercials. I guess he had some money left after not winning the uh, Indianapolis. Yeah, right. Mayor, Apparently a lot of money. Yeah, and uh, what concerns me, it's uh, looking at that district, it goes clear out to Ohio. There's a whole lot of voters out there that may not have heard what what went down here when he was running for uh, mayor in Indianapolis. Well, it's funny you say that, Kelly, because that's on my agenda for the last segment of today's The Gun Guy Show. I want to get into that. I want to give people an update on the other bill, 1235, that also passed the Senate. And now, uh, because of some amendments, has gone back over to the House. Although, my understanding, and we had a caller ask about the so-called zoning amendment to that. I just had a, a text exchange with Chris Lee from the NSSF, and he says they've looked hard at that. They don't have any heartburn. They don't think that amendment can be used to circumvent the meaning of the bill. And this is the bill that would end the this ridiculous 24-year-old lawsuit by the city of Gary against the entire gun industry saying, oh, no, the reason we have gun violence in Gary is because of the gun industry. That's why we have a gang problem and a violence problem. It's ridiculous. It ought to be thrown out. This bill will get that done. But Kelly and Avon, thanks, brother. Thanks for calling in. Uh, That's what's going on with 1235. And so, by the way, my point there is that uh, we expect the House to consent to the amendments uh, made in in the House, or excuse me, the House to consent to the amendments made in the Senate, and we expect twelve thirty five uh, to then get a vote um, and uh, and or actually get passed straight on uh, to get signed into law by the governor. It's already passed both the House and the Senate. 
is what I meant to say. So that's good news because we need to get rid of that ridiculous bill, 1235. We come back, I'm going to talk a little bit about what Kelly mentioned. I also go back to the phone lines Bob has called in. We want to take Bob's call. But then I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, Jefferson Shreve running for Congress in the 6th Congressional District, where uh, Greg Pence is currently the incumbent, but not running for re-election. Uh, we'll go to that when we come back. In the meantime, this is Guy Relford signing off for this segment. We'll be right back to wrap up this edition of the Gun Guy Show when we come back. Guy Relford on 93 WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Second to none on the Second Amendment. This is The Gun Guy with Guy Ralford on 93 WIPC. And welcome back to the last segment here of the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. First thing, let's, uh, oh, you know what? Uh, our caller has dropped off. Bob had called in. Bob, brother, I was coming to you first thing in this segment, but that's quite all right. Um, Kelly mentioned, again, as Kelly Myers, who's the uh, co-legislative director of the Indiana State Rifle and Pistol Association, and frankly, has been involved in the fight for uh, much longer than he's held that position. And I'm glad that ISRPA brought him in and, uh, and, 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 and gave him that uh, particular role because he's doing a great job uh, as he was even beforehand. But as he mentioned, Jefferson Shreve, prior candidate for mayor here in Indianapolis, is running for a congressional seat now. And it's the 6th District, where, uh, again, Greg Pence is the incumbent. And this is down southeastern Indiana, if I, if my uh, my map in my head. You know, Columbus area is the way to think of it, essentially south. And uh, going, as Kelly said, over toward Ohio, which he yeah, asked, so southeast. Um, not the farther, farthest southeast corner, um, but down in that direction. And... And listen, it's largely uh, a lot of rural areas there. Obviously, Columbus is a good-sized town. Um, There are other good-sized towns. But I would definitely paint this district as being conservative, and I would definitely paint them as being pro-Second Amendment. And one thing I I intended, and I'm glad Kelly mentioned it, but I already intended to, to discuss, is that one of the major planks of Jefferson Shreve's uh, platform here running for mayor is he endorsed the vast majority of Joe Hogsett's gun control proposals and said that that his proposal also here in Indianapolis to reduce gun violence, quote unquote, was to roll back constitutional carry in the city of Indianapolis to require a permit and I'm sure criminals were all going to follow that immediately. Also to institute an assault weapon ban. And also to raise the age to buy any firearm to 21. Listen, federal law already says you got to be 21 to buy a pistol from a gun store. 
And so now this guy's running for Congress. And listen, those same proposals, that is, to require a permit issued by the federal government to even buy a gun, much less carry a gun, to ban assault weapons, and to raise the age to also 21 for rifles and rifles and shotguns, where it's 21 now at the federal level for pistols. Those those bills have been been filed many many years in a row, or at least many recurrently, I should say, over many years. And so now you got a guy who proposed each of those things as a Republican running for Congress in the 6th Congressional District. I wonder if the voters down there know that he endorsed those policies running for mayor of Indianapolis. And let me just tell you, if they didn't already know, they're going to know pretty soon. I'm going to make sure they do. This is Guy Relford at the end of tonight's show for The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC.